The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Unger Real Estate Group, brokered by EXP Realty, proudly serving Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties. Call 407-790-9957 or visit WeSellOrlando.net. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Brian Murphy with you here on from Black and Gold Banneret.com, SB Nation's home for your UCF Knights. And I'm here joined by these two guys who reportedly take papers off my desk before I can sign them and thus put the state in danger. What, no one you got that your, joke? You you love you some Bob Woodward. <laughs> I, love, I, love me, I love me some some Bob Woodward. I mean, yeah, hey, you know, some things, death taxes Jeff, and Bob Woodward. Jeff Sharon is out here with the topical humor, kids. Yeah. He's got you. It's bad bad dad jokes i am uh, i am certainly <laughs> the king of those and i'm qualified to do it uh like we said we are with black and gold banneret.com sp nation's home for the ucf knights you can follow us at black and gold banneret.com ucf underscore banneret on twitter and facebook.com slash black and gold banneret follow us individually at jeff underscore sharon spokes underscore murphy that's brian and eric lopez elo uh on twitter as well you can subscribe to our podcast on Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, and uh, what am I missing? Google, Apple Podcasts, of course. Why not? Um, so we have a lot to talk about here today. So first game for UCF in the books. The Knights, surprisingly, moved up rather significantly in the polls. I say surprisingly because three people are still keeping them out of their AP Top 25 for some reason. Uh, we will look quickly look back at the UConn game and uh, look ahead to the South Carolina State game insofar as it is. Uh, And we have a very special guest today. Trey Quan Smith joins us from the New Orleans Saints. Sam's kind of weird saying that, but uh, Elo efforted to get Trey Quan before his uh, NFL opener this coming uh, week. So uh, we'll hear from Trey Quan as he prepares for his first NFL game. But let's stick with football and get to UCF and, uh, well, <laughs> I guess we we had a few questions answered, boys, on uh, on Thursday night as uh, UCF just puts a whooping on UConn. Fifty six seventeen was the final. Uh, Mackenzie Milton was named Offensive Player of the Week. No real surprises there, as uh, he had another five touchdown pass game, his third of his career. Twenty four thirty two for three forty six. He was not sacked. Um, UCF scored on, what was it, eight of nine possessions that did not end with the half. Um, and, uh, wow, I mean, it was just an impressive, impressive performance uh, by UCF on the road at UConn. I know UConn's you know, struggling. They were you know, not a very good defense last year, but uh, there were some moments there with uh, David Pindell. I think uh, our buddy Chris Carter alluded to that in his, um, in his uh, breakdown of the game earlier this week. Um, but still, when you drop 56 on a conference opponent on the road, I think you got to be pretty happy with the performance. What say you, Brian Murphy? You were there in East Hartford. You watched it uh, um, in person. Uh, was it as impressive in person as it looked to us on television? Absolutely, and it was just as fast, too. Uh, watching the replay of the game, even – you know, you could see ESPN missed a couple plays, missed a couple snaps because they they were not getting they were not back from replay yet. Right. 
to get the next play because UCF was just going that fast. Um, yeah, it was mighty impressive. Mackenzie Milton is just incredibly on point. We saw more of him and his incredible accuracy uh, with downfield throws, which he was already, I think, the best at in college football last year. Um, above above 20 yards traveled uh, passes. He was fantastic, and he was again. Uh, he is just he was on another level. It looks like the game was easy to him at, at points. Um, and then just his skilled players, when you put – you already know what Dredrick Nelson is. And then Otis Anderson kind of doing a jack-of-all-trades thing. Adrian Killen is there too. They worked in Greg McRae, and he looked pretty good. Um, and, you know, Taj McGowan, you know, blew somebody's helmet off with a big hit. So they got a bunch of running backs, but the receivers, when you can run out Snelson, Gabe Davis, and Trey Nixon, uh, I know it was only UConn's defense, which, you know, admittedly was starting, I believe, 10 underclassmen. And Randy Edsel said after the game they, they could not prepare for UCF speed, and he knew they couldn't. They just had to sort of get experience to it and play the best they could. He was basically waving the white flag. He just knew his, his team couldn't match up. But my, oh my, that receiving core with those three guys, uh, especially the head of it, um, looks so formidable. Trey Nixon, for an offense that's going to throw the ball deeper yeah. more this more often this year, which really kind of feeds into feeds into McKenzie's strength, Trey Nixon is just made for this. And uh, you saw him make big plays, and that's, that's not, that's not going to be a, um, a rare thing. He's going to do that every week. Yeah, I felt like watching the offense perform, you were right about McKenzie's accuracy. Um, there was the one ball that he threw to the back of the end zone that into it will pass the double team to Gabe Davis and Gabe mm-hmm. dropped it back there. But yep. I've mentioned this on Twitter that it looked to me and Zach Goodall actually broke this play down too on Twitter as well. It looked to me like it was one of those balls that Gabe was like, ain't no way this is going to get to me. And then he puts his hands up and the ball is there. And he's like, holy crap, how did the ball get here? And and it, it sort of surprised him that it got to him. Um, it, and you're right about Trey Nixon, who looks very comfortable right away, about as comfortable as mm-hmm. Mike Hughes looked in the early going last year. Um, and uh, and that's encouraging to see. Snelson had that one possession, I think, where uh, uh, Milton threw to him three on three consecutive downs uh, that set up a that set up another touchdown. Nixon had five for one one and two touchdowns. He was the only. UCF receiver over 100 yards, but Snelson did have 90, um, and it was uh, and they spread the ball around quite a bit rushing. Actually, um, uh, Daryl Mack Jr., the backup quarterback, his 70-yard touchdown run that was the final score of the game uh, made him UCF's leading rusher. Uh, the second leading rusher was Mackenzie Milton with 50 yards on seven carries. Uh, Greg McRae was the uh, leading non-quarterback rusher with five carries for. 43 yards. Adrian Killens had that first touchdown in the game. That was pretty much it. But you had, I mean, you added up McCray, Killens, Pentavious uh, uh, Thompson, Taj McGowan, Otis Anderson. You add that all up, it's over 100 yards. And, uh, or actually, it's almost 200 yards, actually. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think you got to be pretty, I think you got to be pretty happy with the production. Elo, I'm interested to get your your take on, you know, you were watching the game on television, as was I. Uh, what looks different per se from your vantage point? I mean, nothing really shocked me there. I, I got to tell you though, I'm not a fan of Milton running as much as he did. 
I, I hope I that agree is not with a, you. <laughs> I, I, hope, I don't. I don't. Uh, to me, you've got enough running backs that I actually don't like the fact that Mackenzie Milton was what second on the team in carries in the game. Yeah. Uh, especially for a game like UConn. Now, if it's a bigger game later in the year, I don't have as big of a problem with that. Um, but I, I, I wasn't a fan of that. Now, some of that is probably his own doing because he probably just decided to run on his own. I'm not saying that every play was a run play for him. There were a few design um, runs in there, though. Oh, no, there were. And I, I just I mean, I noticed he got nipped up a little bit. I mean, it's nothing serious. I mean, uh, I guess he twisted his ankle or something. Supposedly he's fine. But I just to me, you have to keep him healthy. And there was no need for him to run as much. He's got to slide down, learn to do that. You have all these running backs that can carry the ball. I would rather have them carry the ball. And I would definitely, like, I don't want him running at all this Saturday against South Carolina State at all. Um, so I, I, you know, from that standpoint, I think Trey Nixon is going to be the guy that's going to replace a lot of the Trey Quan production in that role. Um, so I think that's obviously impressive. No surprise there in the Ole Miss. You know, defensively, I thought they struggled with their tackling. That's always, that's been well documented on that. Uh, so I think the jury is still out on the defensive side. The one thing that's kind of gone under the radar was the lack of a pass rush. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was disconcerting a little bit. But, look, it, it's the first game of the year. As I said, UConn is awful. As we found, as we as it turned out, I was correct on that. UCF had no issues there. And um, UConn's youth in the secondary in defense, as Murph brought up, was a mismatch for UCF. So, look, it's a good start. Uh, they're solid. It was not anything shocking. Uh, I said UCF had two bye weeks before North Carolina. They're one bye weekend. <laughs> well, I, there, there were concerns with the tackling. I, I don't. I wasn't all that concerned with the the tackling from the game as much as I was. Uh, as much as it was more or less a function of you have this running quarterback in David Pendell with UConn, who, by the way, looks you know credit to him. He actually looks much improved from. Uh, from last year when he just looked like a guy going the wrong way through a revolving door. Um, and so it, let's give him some credit in his senior year here. Um, but I did have a little bit of concern about the fact that your your defense is out there for 38 minutes um, compared to twenty uh, just under 22 minutes for UCF in terms of time. Well, that's going to happen, though. I mean, that's going yeah. to happen. Yeah. That's going to happen, though. I mean, this offense... I'm pretty- I'm pretty sure they have they've prepared for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it, it, yeah. I mean that's the thing. It's going to be bend but don't break. And let's and and Randy Shannon's defense did exactly that. They had a 30% stop rate in this game. They only gave up 17 points. Again, on the road in conference. Anytime you you give up 17 points on the road in a conference game, I think you got to be pretty happy no matter how weak the opponent is. But now we turn our attention to South Carolina State. Um Obviously, uh, a D1 uh, FCS opponent coming into town. This uh, reeks. It's a threat. It's a threat. American conferences. You got to represent yeah, yeah. here. This All is a multi rivalry. We'll we'll get to, <laughs> we'll get to the American struggle against FCS opponents in a little bit. But um, the, the, the they're a pretty familiar foe, obviously, for uh, UCF from a. Um, from you know, insofar as an FCS opponent uh, can be, but um, obviously that's not the concern. I think that I think the question is obviously other than please for the love of God stay healthy. Um, what should we expect to see from UCF in this game in particular, Brian? I mean, I, I know that 
Josh Heupel and himself, you know, you want to get that first one on the board. You got that big conference win. That's fine. It feels like now, now you, I don't want to say you take the, the pedal, you take your foot off the pedal a little bit here, but you can try a few things now with, a, with an opponent like SC State, right? Yeah, they're going to try to get more young guys in there, uh, especially with, with the new redshirt rule of you know playing up to four games while still keeping your red shirt they're going to get uh more guys some snaps yeah you're going to see more you're going to see more of daryl mack uh this weekend uh, you know i think the one thing we'll all see is is can is the tackling improved now there's one thing i'll say to that is even if it is people are still going to poo-poo it because it's south carolina state and mm-hmm. so you're not playing against top level athletes i will say that they are probably going to face another a mobile quarterback. South Carolina State last week in their in their debut against Georgia Southern, which they lost, I think, by 29. Um, but in that game, I think South Carolina State rolled out a couple of uh, different quarterbacks. One of them uh, scored their only touchdown. He's a, a freshman named Tyrese Nick, and he ran 21 times for 66 yards. That's not terribly impressive, but he's going to run a lot. So UCF will be faced with another sort of uh, run-first quarterback. And we'll see what, what they do uh, against him. Other than that, really, this is this is going to be sort of a celebration of um, of, of uh, you know a champion returning home. Basically, the the the, the estimates about you know the student section is going to be overfilled, and they've sold so many tickets for this game. Uh, there's there's a lot of buildup and excitement to have you are going to be actually in the stadium for for this game, and I think that's you know that's another interesting part is just seeing. After the year they had, first home game of the year, what's the turnout like? Um, because after a while, this game is not going to be competitive. Um, it's just it's just going yeah, to be like a celebration. After, it's, it's just yeah, like not. after kickoff. It won't. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not. Here's, here's an interesting stat that I think you guys will find uh, amusing. Um, South Carolina State last week in that 37-6 to loss in Statesboro to uh, Georgia Southern actually pulling up the team numbers, combined South Carolina State quarterbacks throwing the ball were 2 of 10 for 31 yards. Is that, right. not, is that not good? It's, it's, not not, it's not great. It's not great. Now, to be not fair, great, Bob. to be fair, boy, this game must have been a lot of fun to watch because Georgia Southern's quarterbacks were combined 5 of 7 for 29. But, uh, you know, just three yards in a cloud of dust all day in that one. I hope they, I hope they sold enough tickets. But um, that, that's the kind of team that you're looking at right now. It's going to be a, you know, prim- predominantly, you know, option run base kind of stuff. Um, like I said, I, I, I'm not too worried about this. Uh, aside from, you know, for the love of gracious, please keep everybody healthy. Um, and you know you get your red shirts out there. I, I, I do think that is that is a key. Now with that new red shirt rule, though, Murph, um, yeah. are we going to see a lot of these guys? Like, to, like to what extent? First of all, refresh everyone's memory on that new red shirt rule because I think that this is an underrated part of of how coaches have to deal with um, games like this, especially in UCF's case. Right. So the new retro rule, which is being implemented starting this year, is you can play a player up to four games that you can get them action in, in up to four games. Uh, and if they don't play beyond that, you can still call them. You can still put them in a red shirt, mm-hmm. uh, meaning they give them an extra year of eligibility. It's a way to get 
younger kids who normally wouldn't get much playing time with coaches scared of burning their red shirts before it's a way to get them more snaps and more sort of acclimation to, to the college ranks while still keeping them, you know, at full eligibility. So, yeah, I, I mean, you're going to see a lot, you're just going to see a lot more players. I, I think this is there certainly, if there is a game on this schedule in which you said, you know what, everybody who dressed, get ready. Mm-hmm. You're <laughs> if, in a if uniform. We have a backup, if we have a backup, <laughs> If, you know, if we have a backup kicker like Matthew Wright, take a seat. We got somebody off the soccer team, um, and just see what <laughs> like like see what happens. Uh, two things I wanted to point out, though. One is because of what happened, and maybe you guys will talk about this. Because of what happened last weekend across the conference with teams like Temple losing to Villanova oh, uh, and team like ECU <laughs> losing to I forgot who what ECU div- lost. What division are they in, Murph? They're not. They're not in the, the FBS. They're not in that. Not oh, you good, mean the, Bob. You mean, uh, it's not good. You mean, well, Temple's in the AAC. They're in the AAC East, actually, Jeff. Yeah. What's up with that? Can we can we talk about this for a second? I would just like to point out a few things about how the American did last week. Uh, we, we had Temple lose to Villanova, and okay, fine, Villanova. Traditionally, a, a great pretty loss good in FCS basketball. team. It's a quality loss. Quality in loss in basketball. <laughs> Not good in football. No. Um, East Carolina, to me, Who that is? was yeah, that was a catastrophe. Losing to North Carolina A and T. As somebody somebody said on Twitter that uh, ECU ECU lost to a cable company, which I thought was the best line of the week. <laughs> I, I, the what is going on with this conference? Uh, Murph, oh, I, I mean, Murph was not on the episode. <laughs> Anyone want to take that week, one? <laughs> there was a smart guy, Jeff, last week on the podcast that did say that the American Conference in the Eastern Division was not very good. In fact, maybe even said it was the worst division in the Power Six. Uh, case, I rest my case. They're, it's not a good league. And the reason it's not a good league, you have a lot of new coaches. I mean, Jeff Collins is still in his second year at Temple. Mm. Uh the East Carolina situation with Scott Montgomery, that has not worked from day one. That's a disaster. I, I, yeah, I think that if, yeah. if, if I had to place a bet on which coach is the first one to get fired in the American, I think Scotty Montgomery is easily the leader in the clubhouse. Well, what, what was worse about that was they fired an alum in Ruffin McNeil who had success there because he wasn't winning enough, and they – agitated a coordinator at the time by the name of Lincoln Riley, who was the offensive coordinator at East Carolina, then went to Oklahoma to be an OC. And then when the job opened, he's like, no, I'm not going to go there because the way you treated Ruffin McNeil. How's he doing, by the way? Oh, yeah, he's at Oklahoma now. Um, yeah. And then Scotty's been a bad move. I mean, they had, I mean I've, ta- I've been to Greenville a couple times recently, and that's it's not good. I mean, they have a great fan base, a great state, but no, they're in rock bottom and – Look, I think the East, unfortunately for UCF, or fortunately, you can look at it in two ways. You can look at it on the positive end that, to me, UCF has an easy path to the conference championship game. The only game, in my opinion, they have to worry about in their division is the game in Tampa at the end of the year. Um, the negative is, for those of you that obsesses over these polls and, quote, respect, as I, I put up my hands in, my, in the air, you're not going to win this schedule argument battle. So I wouldn't use that. Don't mm-hmm. use that tool. Uh, now, 
Because you're not. I mean, this schedule is going to end up being even weaker than last year. And last year was actually a decent schedule. This year, I mean, I looked at the schedule. Carolina and Pittsburgh, if you'll study their schedule, they're probably looking at a six-win, seven-win season tops, uh, unless they pull some upsets. Carolina didn't look great against Pittsburgh. We've already discussed East Carolina is going to have a long year. Connecticut is going to have a long year. Temple's not anything great. South Florida, we'll see what they have this week against Georgia Tech with the new quarterback, Barnett. But I think as a whole, the league is down. They lost a lot of guys to the NFL. When you constantly have coaching changes because guys are going to other schools, that takes its toll. You can't be at the top of your league every year. And sometimes your league's going to have a down year. And unfortunately, from a UCF perspective, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, I think this is a down year for the league. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the... You know, just the results that we saw. I mean, we talked about the you know ECU's loss um, and and Temple's loss. Uh, I got news for you. It wasn't so, it wasn't so great shakes around the league with some of the teams that won either. Houston had a hell of a time with Rice for a while. Yep. Um, USF did beat Elon at home, but only by twenty. I know they said only by twenty, but I mean, you'd think that they'd come out a little bit uh, a little bit stronger than that. Well, Tulsa, yeah. Tulsa kind of struggled a little bit with Central Arkansas there. They won by 11. Um, and it, well, SMU got doubled up by North Texas, yeah. which was which is a disaster in its own right. And uh, and Navy gave up 59 points to Hawaii. Uh, granted, it was out in Honolulu, but still, <laughs> um, it, you know, they scored 41. But that was, you know, I mean, that's a game you think that Navy should win. We should give some credit to Memphis because they took care of Mercer exactly as they should have. And yeah. then, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, and, and credit to Cincinnati for going out to uh, Pasadena and spoiling oh, Chip yeah. Kelly's debut. Thank God for thank, thank God for UCLA. UCLA. I mean, if 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 you're an American Conference team, just schedule UCLA because they'll make you look good. I mean, last year Memphis beats them at home because UCLA implodes. This year Cincinnati. I mean. When in doubt, just schedule UCLA. I mean, that's I mean, good job. But no, I mean, I do think this, in all seriousness, what you're hoping for from a league standpoint, and even if you're UCF from a quality of schedule standpoint, you're hoping Cincinnati's the surprise. You hope Luke Fickle is kind of that uh, the surprise of the league, and the Bearcats are better than people think. They did. Yeah. That is a nice win at UCLA for his program, and maybe that's a better game. Maybe they're the surprise like UCF was last year to some extent. Uh, but look. I think Fickle's going to be successful at Cincinnati. But, again, look at the league. Jeff Collins is still only in his second year at Temple. Uh, Luke Fickle's in his second year at Cincinnati. Uh, Houston, Major Applewhite is just, what, in his second year as a head coach there at Houston mm-hmm. uh, that you mentioned. There's a, just a lot of turnover, and I think we've taken it for granted. We saw what Scott Frost did in his second year. We just assumed that, oh, well, it's, he turned it around in his second year. That's the exception of the rule. Right. That's not the, how it's supposed to work. It's supposed to take time. And I think people have taken it for granted how an amazing job Scott Frost did turning this around in the second year. I think even the UCF staff that now in Nebraska would even tell you and people within the program would tell you they're even shocked how quickly it turned around. Because I think actually a lot of people thought that this year would be the year that they thought they would be really good, not last year. Yeah. I think they went ahead of schedule and surprised people. So, uh, unfortunately for the league, I think you're kind of in this transition period. You might be in a bit of a dip. Concern, Jeff, you mentioned Hawaii. They're in the Mountain West. That's a quality game now for Boise State. I think Boise State's going to have a better schedule than UCF. If those two teams 
end up with an equal record, I think Boise State might get the nod. Now, on the positive end, I think Boise State's more likely to lose more games than UCF. So that could also work to your favor in that regard. Because now, Murph, I am expanding from 50% to 75% chance UCF goes undefeated this year. How do you like that, Murph? <laughs> wow. You, you, know, you know where I still am. I, well. I still... I still re- I still reside in the in the realm of the Butarski. <laughs> I I just and so I mean, it's no disrespect. It's and again, people on Twitter saying that well, I have to say that it could happen. Yeah, it could happen, but to ask me my opinion of will it happen, I'm saying no. There is a there is a difference between those two statements. Um so yeah, I think three things, well two things. One, because of everything that happened last week with with Temple and ECU, there's like already like the built-in talking point of like, yo guys, we can't overlook this. Look what happened in our conference. These other guys over who got uh, taken out by you know D two teams or FCS teams or whatever you want to call it, D one double. I'm not sure. Uh, but secondly, during the Monday press conference uh, in which uh, McKenzie Milton said, you know, you got to prepare for this game like it's Alabama or an Auburn. He also said that in his freshman year of 2016, he says he remembers that even though you know he wasn't playing, he remembers South Carolina State giving UCF all they could handle. And I sort of like cocked my head to the side like a confused dog. And I was like, what is this? Uh, so, yeah, I guess they gave them all they could handle and that UCF won 38 nothing. Uh, yeah, that was, was the opening. That was Scott. That was Scott Frost's that was, debut. That was, that was very nice. Had, that was very nice of McKenzie to say that to about South. Carolina. <laughs> that was very nice. So <laughs> you know, just praise your opponents. I guess because they were only up twelve nothing at the half. It was like this is yeah. unacceptable. Actually, um, South Carolina State has had a history of you know for whatever reason. I was at the 08 game when UCF struggled against South Carolina State in their opener. Little did we know. It would set it would set the tone for the year, which was no offense for UCF that year in 08 as we struggled to go to four and eight. But uh, <laughs> I do remember the 2016. That was Frost's first game with Justin Holman, and you could tell right away that those parts did not fit the scheme. Yeah, <laughs> that's why they struggled. I don't think it was because South Carolina State was playing incredible defense. Yeah, square peg in a round hole for sure. Um, yeah, as can, we- can you name South Carolina? State? Can you name South Carolina State's most famous football alumni? I'm sure Jeff can. I'm sure. Uh, I, mean, I think both of you guys can. Wait, 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 wait. I do know this. I do know this. Wait. Played, um, there, for, played there for one year. Oh, gosh. I, For some reason, I, I, I actually, I think I'm going to get this wrong. In fact, I'm sure I'm going to get this wrong. Was it Deacon Jones? That's correct. Wow, I got it. Wow, right. wow! I can't believe I got it that right. <laughs> I knew it was someone who was like outsized, great. You know, you're like, really? He went there? The late great Deacon yeah, right. Jones. And then, he, and, then, and then he he transferred to like a vocational school. Like he went to some vocational college and then became like Deacon Jones sag yeah. master. Then he became like Deacon Jones. You know, his, but, but yeah, yeah. The uh, by the way, as far as as far as this week's game is concerned kickoff is set for uh 6 p.m uh no official line is posted on odd shark uh although in one of these very like you mentioned Mer, very um uh suspicious looking websites that i've managed to stumble upon uh ucf is favored by 45 and a half according to sportschatplace.com hopefully this is the last time i have to go here for this uh, over under 60, <laughs> over under 60 and a half weather over. 
Over, over. <laughs> 60 and a half? Are you, that's not right. 60 and a half, yeah. Well, you know, I, I don't know who's, I don't know who's, I, no, I really don't, I don't know who's, like, hand, that who's handicapping like this game. <laughs> um, weather. Is, are, are, Jeff, yeah. Jeff, are there ads for like, ru- like, r- like Russian mail order brides off to the margins I, of this website? I am afraid, right. I'm afraid to even look at some of the banner ads that I'm actually seeing. <laughs> yeah, let's here. just move um, on. Let's just, let's just, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's get out of just here before I, before, yeah. before, before my data ends up on WikiLeaks. Um, all right. So let's get, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We've got our uh, special interview coming up uh, with obviously the NFL starting this weekend. Um, so many NFL guys for UCF that are out there, and we caught up with one who made probably the biggest noise in the preseason. Trey Quan Smith joins us here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast when we return. The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Unger Real Estate Group, brokered by EXP Realty. Sam Unger and his team proudly serve Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties, specializing in buying, selling, and new construction. He's a proud UCF graduate, class of 2006, and he's got a special deal going on right now for the 2018 football season. Night fans, if you work with Sam as your realtor, he will rebate you up to $750 at closing. So if you're ready to buy a new home or sell your current home, upgrade or downsize, Sam and his team have you covered so you can find the right home at the right price in the right location. So give them a call right now at 407-790-9957. Again, that's 407-790-9957. Or visit them on the web at WeSellOrlando.net. Again, that's WeSellOrlando.net. You can also reach them on Facebook at Facebook.com slash we sell Orlando. Get in touch with the Unger Real Estate Group today and make finding your dream home a reality. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Andrew Fegley. And I'm Trey Strelko. Um, uh, um, where are we? This isn't our usual spot. It looks like we've landed in the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard of those guys. You know, Nightline has UCF sports covered. Week in and week out, we bring you interviews with newsmakers and in-depth analysis of UCF sports. Subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to Nightline on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all-new Nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on. Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, and Brian Murphy with you here. Uh, recording this on Wednesday, September the 5th. Uh, just after Labor Day weekend, we're heading into the opening weekend of the NFL season. By the way, join us at blackandgoldbanneret.com, where we have plenty of content for you as SB Nation's home for UCF sports. And uh, follow us at UCF underscore banneret on Twitter, facebook.com slash banneret. I mentioned that it's uh, NFL kicking off this weekend as college heads into week number two. A bunch of Knights making their, um, making their NFL debuts, including one of them that Eric Lopez caught up with uh, just a little bit earlier uh, today, Elo. Yeah, I got a chance to talk to Traquan Smith, of course, was drafted in the third round, 91st pick by the New Orleans Saints, and as the Saints open the regular season against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday, 
That'll mark a regular season debut for Traquan, who's had a strong preseason for the Saints. I had a chance to talk to Traquan Smith on Wednesday during media availability with the Saints and talked about how things life's going in the NFL. What's it like being a New Orleans Saint? Also, kind of the journey to get to the NFL. What a journey it was, because Traquan Smith, as we all know, was part of a winless season and also part of an undefeated season under two different coaching staff. So we great to catch up. Here's my interview. Traquan Smith here on Black and Gold Banneret. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing good, and you? Great, man. Looking forward to, uh, yeah, chalking it won't be too long. A lot of fans here, people in Orlando, excited for you. You know, they miss you, but they're also excited for you. <laughs> I miss Orlando, too, but, you know, on uh, bigger things now. First question, uh, Traquan Smith, how does it feel to be an NFL wide receiver of the New Orleans Saints? Oh, man, it's uh... – it's hard to explain, you know, it's just something you know, I wanted my whole life, you know. Now I got in their arms reach and I'm here at the moment and I'm just taking it in every second, you know, making sure I do everything right because, you know, in this business it can be taken away from you, you know, soon like within the blink of an eye. So, you know, I'm just living it up as now, as of now and I, I love it. And, you know, just one of my dreams came true. Take me through that night in the NFL draft when your name was called and you you found out you're going to be a member of the New Orleans Saints. Uh, okay, uh, okay, I won't give you the full details because you know I can get very detailed into it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, basically, I was at my uh, my mentor's house with me and my family members, and uh, you know I was watching the draft and it was going on, and uh, as I kept seeing receivers go off the board, and you know I felt like my name was coming up soon, and me and my family was upstairs uh, watching the draft, and then my mentor came up. He was downstairs watching the draft separately. He came up with the phone in his hand. He said, everyone, be quiet, be quiet. He handed me the phone. He said, it's the Saints. Oh, man, so then I hopped on the phone, and it was uh, Coach Sean Payton. He was like, you know, how's everything, how everything going? And I was like, uh, it's going good, but uh, now that you call, everything else is going great, much, much better right now. And uh, he was like, um, you know, we like what you've seen on film. Thank you, a great kid. You know, we like your character. And uh, we would love to have you here as the New Orleans Saints. Uh, and we're going to take you with our next pick. Uh, and at that moment, you know, I knew that my life pretty much changed. You know, I was just, like, so happy. I couldn't like, even explain it. Like, I almost teared up and cried. That's unbelievable. It's remarkable. What has this been like for you since then? Obviously, you've had OTAs, training camp, you know, preseason games you got to play. In fact, your first preseason game, ironically, was in this back in the state of Florida in Jacksonville against the Jaguars. <laughs> what has that been like? Uh, this this whole this whole experience has been a uh, a roller coaster for for the better. You know, like you said, uh, coming from working many camp to OTAs and to uh, you know, veterans uh, mini camp. It's just uh, been a learning experience, pretty much. You know, I'm here trying to learn everything I can to put myself in the best, you know, uh, situation to play as much as I can and as often as I can. It's just been uh, really a great experience. You know, uh, meeting guys here. You know, trying to, you know, trying to create a bond with the receivers and the quarterbacks and the D line and the coaches here. It's um. Like, I, I really feel like I'm at home here in New Orleans. Did you seek out advice from maybe either other UCF players who were in the NFL already or anybody in general as you got, as you know, hey, what what what, what do I need to look out for? 
not really. I wouldn't say I seek that advice from the veterans that been in the uh, league from UCF, but uh, I did. Uh, I was reaching out to um, my teammates who also was in the league, uh, like uh, Jordan Franks, um, Jordan Akins, Jamias Pittman. You know, them guys I was really close with and, and came in with, and we still talk, like, every day. So uh, them guys who I did, you know, reach out to for advice and guys I did check up on to see how they was doing and, you know, see if they, uh, you know, made the cuts for their teams. No, and, that, and that's got to mean a lot to you that you're not doing this solo. You got, you know, the Mike Hughes, you mentioned Aikens, you got, Fred, I mean, you got a bunch of guys that are going through the same thing that you're currently going through, uh, and, and you guys could help each other out to, as just as this goes. Yeah, yeah, like it was, it's very exciting having, you know, having and knowing people who's in the same situation you in, because at the same time, you know, you're, you're rooting for yourself to make it, and then, you know, I'm the type of person when I heard that, uh, my uh, Jordan Franks made the practice squad. Like, I was just, like, ecstatic. Like, hey, that's my guy. Like, I came in with Jordan Franks. He was my roommate when I first got to college. And knowing that he, you know, pretty much on a team, like, he just made me so much happier. I was happier for him than I was for myself. Yeah, no question about it. Um, you're, we're speaking with Traquan Smith here. Uh, what's your – What's it been like? You're 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 playing with one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the sport, and Drew Brees. That's that's pretty cool. <laughs> oh man, this is pretty cool. I just been trying to be a sponge around that guy, trying to soak up everything he's telling me. You know, because he he's a future Hall of Famer. So uh, I know my time with him is pretty limited before he uh, retires. So I'm just trying to learn everything I can from him, and you know, trying to stay at the practice and get extra reps and. You know, just listen to what he has to say, you know, because he, he knows this game is back in his hand and he's the quarterback, you know, so whatever he says pretty much goes. So, you know, if I want to know something, he would be the guy I go to, like, especially during the in game situation. So, you know, um, so yeah, Drew is a great guy. And the thing about Drew, he's willing to teach you and talk to you and to correct you and make sure you're, you're doing everything right. That's what I like about Drew. You've played some preseason games. Describe the difference there, be playing in NFL preseason games to college football, because I've talked to other guys about it, and the first thing that strikes them is how, man, everybody's fast in the NFL. Uh, describe that feeling now, having stepped on the NFL field. Yeah, uh, yeah, that, that would be a big thing. Um, the difference would be, like like you said, everybody's fast. And like when I first got in, because Jacksonville, I ended up starting. So I got in, and I'm – I'm like, I am think I'm running off the ball, but I'm not really running off the ball. And my coach sitting there on the sideline yelling at me, like, Trey Coy, you have to run off the ball. And I'm like, Coach, I thought I was. But then when you go back and look at him, like, everything is moving so much faster. Like, the pace of the game is so much faster. And you got to actually know what you're doing because as soon as you are hesitant, the defense isn't hesitant on, on what they're doing. They're coming after the ball. So that would be a big difference. The change is not only the the speed of the players, but uh, like the change of the game, the pace. Yeah, it's it's remarkable. What have you personally worked on since you left UCF and got drafted? Uh, as far as your own skills, that you know, to make you uh, an NFL player, that you're like, man, I have to work on this and improve on this if I want to be successful at this level. Uh, one of my biggest things was uh, route running. I um, worked on it a lot when I decided, you know, I was going to enter the draft and I was training in Texas. I worked on my route running a lot because I know that was a big part 
that, you know, a lot of people didn't see that I had. And I knew within myself because I started playing football so late that I had to work on that tremendously. And another thing would be uh, just coming off the ball, you know, uh, like um, making my, my like five to 10 yards much faster, getting that much quicker because uh, um, a lot of people, when they was uh, critiquing me, they was like, oh, I'm a down the field guy. I'm a deep threat. But that five to 10 range, I didn't have that burst of speed. So that would be the big, the biggest two things I worked on. Uh, a lot of guys are still watching you. It's funny, some of your former teammates. I recently spoke to Otis Anderson, and he told me how you kind of took him under your wing, and, and he appreciated that. You helped him out like a, like a big brother, and he's watching you very closely as other guys on the current team at UCF. That's got to mean a lot to you that a lot of your guys are still following you. I know you haven't been able to you didn't watch you couldn't watch the first game because you were playing a preseason game during their first game at UConn. But what, what's your thoughts on your on your on the guys you left behind, especially in that receiving core? Oh man, uh, man, I love them guys to death, man. Like my little brothers, uh, you know, I try to keep up on them as much as I can. I talk to them guys a lot, you know, especially during camp. You know, they was calling me, I was calling them. Uh, it's, you know, when you have that type of bond, you know, when you leave your college team, it's like you never left. Um, you know, you just wish the best for them guys. Like I wish I was still there, you know, with them guys. It was just so much fun. You know, being around that group of guys, just not the receivers, but also, you know, the the quarterbacks, the running backs, and the defense. Like it always was, it always was a big family there at UCF, um, and it just means a lot that knowing that they're here watching, that they're they're watching me. You know, they're pulling for me, and at the same time, I'm pulling for them so they can get be in the situation that I'm in right now in their future. You had a fascinating career and a unique career. You, you had, you, I mean, when people say the highs and lows, you, you know what the, you know as well as anybody what that means. You had, to, you had to go through a, a losing season without a win. You had to go through a coaching change, and then you go through an undefeated season with a Peach Bowl win, conference championships. Describe your career. Have you even reflected on that? And what a wild ter- uh, uh, journey it was. <laughs> uh, you know. At first, I didn't. I tried not to. That's one of the things, you know, you, when you go through an 0-12 season, you try not to look back on. But uh, as time went on, you know, through the coaching change and through the 13-0 and season, you look back on it and just be like, you know, hey, maybe it was meant to be. You know, I learned a lot in that 0-12 season. And, and the difference between, you know, the 0-12 season and the 13-0 and season was really, you know, the team coming together as one and everybody trusting each other and, you know, everybody doing their own job. You know, that was that was a really big difference, you know, that I've seen from those two years. But uh, it was really a learning, a learning experience at most, you know, guys, you know, learning each other and playing for each other. But hey, it definitely was a roller coaster. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty much, um, I'm pretty sure you guys won't see that probably, you know, within the next 25 years, somebody go 0-12 to 13-0. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty remarkable still to even think about that. And and you guys had to go through another, you know, they had to go through another coaching change. Coach Frost moved on to Nebraska. You had to deal with that during the bowl game thing, but the entire staff is at Nebraska that coached you. So, but you got a new staff at UCF, but I'm assuming you're going to keep an eye on Nebraska because I'm sure you have good affection still for that coaching staff and what they did for you guys. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Uh, you know, as a team, we understood what, you know, uh, happened with Coach Frost and the pressure he was put on, 
you know, to choose between, you know, a team, you know, that he obviously loved and, you know, being back at his alma mater and being back with his family and his kid, you know, it, we knew it was a hard decision and uh, we knew that, you know, he he loved us and, you know, but basically we had to understand that we was being selfish if we asked the guy, you know, to stay here with us and, you know, be away from his his mom and his dad back in his alma mater. So basically, you know, uh, at the end of the day, we still love Coach Frost. Um, I'm pretty sure a lot of guys still love Coach Frost back at UCF. And um, uh, by the way, I have my brother going to Nebraska. He's at Nebraska now, so I definitely will keep an eye on them guys. Uh, I talked to them uh, a few times already. So, yeah, but uh, UCF is, you know, where I got to really keep my eye out, but, you know, I still look at Nebraska, Nebraska a little bit. Hey, you know, that's two scores you just got to follow every Saturday. That's all. Yeah, that's not a big – it's not too big of an adjustment there. And the guys seem to be transitioning where under the new staff. What is that like when you have to go through coaching changes and that adjustment from a player? Because the current guy's got to do that with Coach Heupel and his staff. You've had to go through that from Coach O'Leary's staff to Coach Frost's staff. What is that like? Uh, that, that can be uh, frustrating at times. And then again, you know, it could be a good thing for other players. I say it'd be frustrating because you got to learn a whole new offense and you got to be able to learn a whole new group group of guys and a whole new group of coaches. But at the same time, for some players who, you know, didn't get a chance to play that season or who didn't get a look at, you know, you're basically putting on the table a new resume. You know, the coaches really never seen you play. They don't know how you act, you don't know what type of player you are. It's just the rumors they hear. So you really have an opportunity, you know, to show the coaches who you truly are. Just uh, you're basically getting a new star. Yeah, uh, no question. What was it about UCF that drew you to come to UCF? What what was the what was the what was the moment where you're like, yeah, I definitely want to go there and play football there? Uh, at the time when I was being recruited by UCF, uh, it was by the O'Leary staff and uh, Coach Danny Barrett was my he was the running backs coach there and he was uh, my recruiter coordinator. And uh, he just was on. He just came to my school consistently, you know, just talking about UCF. And at the time, I started watching them, and they was doing pretty good that season. I'm talking about really good. Uh, they had a very good start. And then um, I came up on a couple unofficial visit, and I met the receiver core. I met uh, uh, Bashad Perriman, uh, uh, Rennell Hall, uh, Josh Reese, JJ Ward, and it just seemed like a really cool group of guys. And uh, Coach uh, Sean Beckton was the uh, receiver coach, and he seemed like a pretty laid-back coach and uh, a very funny guy. Um, and I went up there a couple times just going up there to visit, you know, and then every time I loved what I saw and I loved the um, atmosphere around there. And I ended up committing like an extra year early, and I stayed solid through my commitment, and bam, UCF had me. And the rest, as they say, is history, and many Knight fans are glad that you came and are excited for you, Traquan. Congratulations on everything you've done to this point. We're excited. You know there's going to be a lot of Knight fans across not only in Central Florida but across the country. They're going to be following you closely in New Orleans. Heck, I mean, there are people, there are UCF fans that are drafting you like in fantasy drafts that I've been involved in just because they're <laughs> that excited, man. Have you got how much, how much fantasy stuff have you gotten since either? What's been more interesting, fantasy questions or ticket requests? Uh, by far, I say by far the ticket request. Uh, <laughs> oh man, that's that's pretty hectic right now. Uh, the ticket request, but I did have uh, people 
asking me about fantasy and stuff saying, oh, I'm the draft doing everything, but most definitely the tickets are more, more hectic. Yeah, I would imagine so for the NFL games. That'll uh, be a lot of demand, but it's a good problem to have. Uh, Traquan, congratulations on everything. Like I said, good luck this season. Uh, we A lot of you, I know I'm going to try and see you when you, the Saints come to Tampa to play the Bucks this year, but good luck this season. Enjoy it, uh, and we're rooting for you. All right, thank you. Thank you for the interview. And thanks again to uh, Traquan Smith for taking the time from a busy schedule, and thanks again to the New Orleans Saints media staff uh, Justin Massion, who helped set that up uh, to get us that exclusive interview with Traquan Smith uh, here a few days before his start of the NFL season. Week one, that's a big storyline, obviously, the NFL starting, guys. But really talk, fun to talk to Traquan about the journey and about this has always been his dream. And just kind of, you know, and him staying in touch with some of the guys on, that, that went with him, Jordan Aikens and, and Franks and those guys, and, and how they're kind of going through this whole NFL process. Uh, together and uh, super excited to be playing with Drew Brees, obviously. Um, but he, well-grounded guy. And I, I think we guys, we did a podcast. I want to say it was post-draft. When I think we all were kind of in agreement. We thought Traquan was in the best situation at the time mm-hmm. to be successful and make a con- contributions right away. I don't think anything's changed to change our minds on that, right? Not on my, not from my perspective. I, I you know, I, I think that, well, first of all, anytime you, you're a wide receiver and you get drafted to play with Drew Brees, you know, that's going to bode in your favor, obviously. But uh, but also the fact that, you know, Traquan, like you mentioned, Eric, he's kind of he's kind of one of these guys who when you look at his career to this point, he's basically seen it all. Right. We know how good he is. Um you know, all you got to do is just look back at that Peach Bowl tape to to see, like, you know, what happens when you when you throw the ball to Traquan Smith. It kind of reminded me of uh, that first bowl game in Hawaii against Nevada when uh, when Brandon Marshall had that huge game. It's like we all knew Brandon Marshall was good, but that but then that game happened and everyone around the country was like, "Whoa, who's this kid?" And I think Traquan with Traquan, it was the same thing. We all knew how good he was. In the Peach Bowl, everyone else found out, so the secret was out. And now he's going to get the opportunity um, in New Orleans to play with Drew Brees. Um, he's worked himself basically uh, – correct me if I'm wrong on this, Brian. He, he, is, is he listed as a starter heading into this weekend for the Saints? No, but he'll be on the field plenty because yeah. the Saints are going to run you know, three wide. And, and he's going to – I mean, it wouldn't shock me if he ends up being – Really, at season's end, the Saints' second-best receiver in terms of production because you've got Michael Thomas, who's a stud, mm-hmm. as their wide receiver one. But but behind Michael Thomas, Cam Meredith, uh, a former Bear, coming off an ACL injury. We're not sure how he's going to uh, return from that. Ted Ginn is still around doing his one trick. It's a hell of a trick, but it is getting <laughs> kind of stale. Uh, one trick. Ben, 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 ben Watson is like 50 years old, but he's in the best shape. Of, like, he's... He's in immaculate shape, but he is like 50. Um, so there, there is room for expansion in that receiving core. And Traquan showed in the preseason, not that the preseason is an ultimate, is an ultimate foretelling of what's going to happen in the regular season, but um, because of what you saw in the preseason and because of the sort of um, question marks in that receiving core, it really wouldn't shock me if he ends up being like the second most productive receiver in that, in that, on that team this year. Yeah, I don't think it would surprise – well, yeah. I don't think it would surprise any of us, really, when you think about it and how good he has no. been. Um, and you know, like we said last year, we just saw, wow, this kid really is something special. Interestingly enough, well, but, but, go ahead, Eric. By, I'm sorry. By the way, I don't know if people realize this. Traquan Smith, 
fifth all-time in the program in catches with 168. Mm -hmm. Okay? Third all-time in receiving yards with 2,748. Eighth all-time in yards per catch, 16.4. Third all-time in touchdowns. You know, the the one – I always thought the one bright spot, if the only positive of 2015, of the disaster of the buckle – of the winless season was, I always felt like Traquan was always playing well. At least yeah. Traquan's wow, look at Traquan. You know, he's putting up numbers. He actually shattered all the freshman records for receiving yeah. uh, yards. And, and 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 I thought at that time, I'm like, wow, this guy's going to be really good. Yeah, Hopefully that was, he, that was the, thing. he was the one him. guy around him who just he never quit. He always brought it, and uh, and, and yeah. he was the one guy coming off of that team that we were all like. Well, we got a little something here, you know. So, uh, well, at least we, yes. you know, at least we got that going for us, which is nice. But, um, but yeah, and and we'll see. Now we're going to really see what he does against against professional competition. I'm looking forward to. When is that opener for the Saints, Eric? That's Sunday. Sunday, one o'clock from New Orleans. It'll be on Fox. Uh, Fox. So you check your listings on that. And look, I mean, he talked about it in the interview, the route running. I think he's a tremendous route runner. We saw it up close. I think he's going to be successful in the NFL. I like the situation there, uh, you know, and I think he's going to be very productive. And mm-hmm. But it was fascinating to hear him talk about the coaching transition, going from the O'Leary staff to the Frost staff. Remember, he was recruited by the O'Leary staff, as he yeah. talked about in the interview. It was Danny Barrett and, and Sean Becton who actually got him to come to UCF. So. Uh, credit to those guys uh, for getting Traquan there. And obviously he had to struggle with the winless season after redshirting the year before. Then you come with the Scott Frost system. And he talked about how Coach Frost and, and things went well. And he was very open about, you know, how the, he always will admire what Coach Frost and that staff did for him uh, to the point, you know, he's going to follow him in Nebraska. Obviously he's got his relative that's going to be in Nebraska, as he mentioned in the interview. But, uh Boy, he's a great guy, and I had to, you know, I talked to Otis Anderson a couple of weeks ago, and he talked about how Traquan took him as like his little, bro, you know, took him as a brother and kind of showed him around, and mm-hmm. genuine good guy with Traquan, and I think a lot of people will be rooting on Traquan, uh, not just this week as I told him, but uh, throughout there in the NFL, and I, I think he's a down level kid, and I think he'll be very successful. I know there's been some UCF receivers that have struggled. But usually those were guys that were not great route runners. They were more athletes than anything else. I think Traquan's an athlete who can who's a great route runner. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you know, I think he'll, he'll be he's gonna have a strong I would be shocked if he does not have a strong, solid NFL career. One last little bit on Traquan Smith. You know, last year he was the only UCF player to have one thousand yards from scrimmage last year. You believe that? Hmm. No. I mean, it, it kind of shows yeah. you, like, with the offensive scheme, you know, how they how they distributed the ball. But it also shows you that yeah. he was a guy that, that McKenzie looked to in in key situations. So uh, it was good to hear from Trey Kwame. We wish him and all, UC, all the UCF alumni coming up best of luck in uh, in uh, NFL Week 1. Shaquem Griffin, by the way, we got word today. He's going to get the start for the uh, Seattle Seahawks at linebacker over K.J. Wright. He took K.J. Wright's job. So well, right, 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 Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, he technically took his job. Yeah. He, got her. he did not take his job. Well, he will be go. soon. Okay. All right. Well, whatever. Look, I'm trying to give our guy a little credit here. All right. Anyway, um, let's take a look at some of the action from some of the other sports around uh, around UCF. Big volleyball news. Uh, we're going to lead off with that. Uh, UCF went up to the Bowlby Invitational in Gainesville against some very stiff competition. 
uh, Louisville, who's receiving votes, and then two top 10 teams against uh, USC and Florida. And the Knights come out with one victory against number seven, USC. It's the second time in as many tries, I think, that UCF has defeated uh, the Trojans. First one was back in 2011, which was a big uh, win for Coach Dagenet against a team that he was an assistant coach for back before he came to UCF. He worked under uh, Mick Haley, who was the head coach at USC until this past year when Haley was controversially let go by Lynn Swan, the athletic director at SC. Well, uh, a little bit of uh, a, a little bit of a measure of revenge, but. Uh, UCF knocked off USC uh, on Saturday in the middle match. They lost to Louisville in the first match of the tournament, but they uh, beat SC. And then they, I, I thought that they played extra. I watched the match against Florida uh, to wrap the tournament and thought they played extraordinarily well. Um, the Knights actually, uh, in the first set, they thought they won the first set, but then. The what would have been a match point for UCF got overturned on a very controversial replay. Um, I'm just going to leave it at that, lest I get in trouble with anybody. But um, uh, the Knights actually won the second. I thought that they should have been up two sets, to, two sets to none heading into the break. As it was, they ended up falling in the match three to one. But I thought they played extraordinarily well against Florida. So well, in fact, that UCF is receiving votes in the latest. Uh, AVCA coaches top 25. Um, they're not ranked in the top 25, but they are receiving votes. Uh, and uh, in addition to that, uh, McKenna Melville, one of the six star freshmen, by the way, pretty much everybody uh, contributed extraordinarily for uh, UCF this past weekend. Christina Fisher had a very um, good week, and as did Brianna Garcia. But uh, McKenna Melville won uh, American Offensive Player of the Week for her performance uh, in the uh, volleyball. Uh, tournament this week, so uh, or, uh, American Offensive Player of the Week, McKenna Melville. So, um, as for UCF volleyball and their uh, schedule coming up, uh, they actually have their home opener this weekend. They're hosting uh, tournaments in back-to-back weeks. Uh, this week, it's the UCF Challenge. They start their home schedule Friday at 11 a.m. against FIU, and then come back later and play at 8 p.m. against Illinois Chicago. Uh, and then have their last match of three in the tournament at 2 o'clock on Saturday. So that's before the football game, which is at 6. Um, make sure you, it, you know, if you're going to be hanging out for a while and it's going to be a hot day out, make sure you come into the venue and check out UCF against uh, check out UCF against Wofford. All those matches will be televised on UCFnights.tv. Uh, uh, women's soccer. Um, Eric, we talked about the uh, tough start that they got off to. Well, uh, they were able to recover down in Coral Gables uh, and get a win uh, two to nothing over uh, Miami for their first victory uh, of the season. Uh, two goals for uh, UCF coming uh, uh, to uh, Kristen Scott and Zandi Sore. Uh, Zandi, by the way, her second goal of the year, and uh, UCF gets a victory over an ACC foe uh, in Miami, and that's a key. And, and that's key for UCF because. You know, like I said, their home opener, Eric, it got washed out against uh, Florida Gulf Coast. So they went on the road. They lost those two ma- those two games against Texas and North Carolina, who were both ranked. But they get Miami, and then they're going up to College Park, Maryland, uh, to play the Terps uh, on Thursday. So um, as it is right now, a bit of a sigh of relief, Eric Lopez. 
Yeah, always good to get that first win, and they did that uh, second half of the couple of goals. It's a good quality win. Now they got to go to Maryland. You don't want to look ahead. You know, Maryland, you're on the road, tricky deal. You want to get a win, get some momentum, and then you got Florida for your home opener on Sunday, a Gator team that is going to be very focused and, I think, hungry because they are struggling. They're a slow, off to a slow start yeah. this season. I think they've lost their last couple of matches. They're under 500 going into this UCF game. Yeah. They're not ranked. Yeah, that's the first time. Check three times. Yeah, I know. That's the first time I think I can ever recall Florida not being ranked in the top 25 in the women's soccer poll. So that's going to, they're going to be ready to go. So I think UCF's got to first take care of business against Maryland. Then you got the Florida home opener, an opportunity to build some momentum there. And I think we'll learn some more about this team as they still learn about each other uh, here in the, for each game they play. Yeah. UCF, by the way, is also receiving votes in the um, women's soccer, uh, United Soccer Coaches top 25. Um, as is, see, I knew this would happen too, as is Florida Gulf Coast, who that opener got washed out against, which is such a bummer. You know, they really could have used that game as far as the RPI is concerned. Uh, so anyway, that is the um, the slate for uh, UCF women's soccer. Now, again, like Elo mentioned, that home opener Sunday, September the 9th at 6 o'clock against the Florida Gators. Um, uh, that obviously following that road match against Maryland. Um, which, by the way, is televised on BTN2Go, which I guess is the mobile digital streaming for the Big Ten Network. But UCF yep. Knights TV will have the uh, the Florida game. Make sure you're coming out for that one. That should be a very, very, um, a very, very good mat- uh, matchup for UCF uh, as well uh, as they start their home slate of um, of the schedule. And uh, Eric, by the way, you uh, earlier this week you caught up with uh, a UCF women's soccer legend, Courtney Witten. Uh, how did that go? Great, great. It was great to check with Courtney Witten, played at UCF Women's Soccer from 06 to 09. Uh, Monday, September 10th, by the way, it's going to be the nine-year anniversary. It was on that day that Courtney Witten scored a goal in double overtime or extra time, depending on your uh, language uh, you prefer in your soccer language, uh, to knock off then number four Florida State one nothing. a match that you and I were there. You were working the game. Mm-hmm. I was there as a fan. Uh, one of the most dramatic games with dramatic uh, moments. It was a huge crowd. One of the the more memorable women's soccer games. One of the more memorable UCF goals in the history of that program was scored by Courtney Witten. And I had a chance to talk to her in my latest seven points, talk to catch up to see how she's doing. What is she up to now in today's uh, uh, today and what that moment was. She described that moment when she scored and how that uh, moment was for her. And what a great career she had part of that great group. Uh, they had an incredible year that year. They won the conference title. They were nationally ranked. She won two conference titles during her career. Um, people may not wear, be aware of this. She is second all-time in game-winning goals in the history of the program with 13. Right. Uh, she's in the top 10 in goals, points. Uh, so, I mean, she's one of the greats that's kind of maybe under the radar a little bit because they had so much talent around her. But uh, it was good to catch up with her. She's doing very well, and I encourage everybody, to, uh, especially your women's soccer fans, to check out uh, my one-on-one exclusive there with Courtney Witten online. Yeah, I remember that team that beat Florida State. That was really, um, I mean, UCF women's soccer, we know how good that program has been for a while. But, you know, when they beat um, Florida State uh, in that game, it felt like everybody really all of a sudden it started taking notice nationally of UCF. And it, it felt like the program, like, jumped another level. After that game, and we saw that in the next couple of years with uh, the last few Amanda Cromwell teams, and we've seen that continue under Tiffany Roberts and Hayek. So um, it's definitely worth checking out the interview. Now, men's soccer—they uh, are two, one, and one 
uh, right now. They uh, defeated uh, uh, Liberty on Friday, uh, the 31st of August, 4-1, to in that uh, in in their second um, home game, but th- 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 that was a big thing. That, th- that was a big one that they needed to get uh, at home after that loss to UC uh, Irvine in overtime. But then they uh, played Virginia Tech, number seventeen Virginia Tech, uh, at home on Sunday, and this I thought was a really big game for um, Scott Calabrese's guys because obviously number seventeen team in the country coming to your place, but. UCF falls down 2 nothing in the first half, and they manage to fight and scrape and claw their way back with a pair of goals in the second half within basically a minute and 40 seconds of one another. Um, uh, and UCF manages to steal a draw against Virginia Tech uh, to all in that game. The Knights shot, boy... There's one thing about there's if there's one thing about this women this men's soccer team here they have never met a shot they didn't like because UCF outshot Virginia Tech twenty three to nine in this game uh, and they've been out shooting teams left and right uh, since they actually you know, since the start of the season so um, this should be uh, again right now where do we find them um, they are uh, two one and one and their next game coming up is again at home. Here's part of that big home, sl- that, that early season home uh, uh, sort of slate that they have. West Virginia coming to town on Friday, uh, September the 7th, and that's before the Knights go on the road, but within the state of Florida for two at FIU on Tuesday the 11th and uh, at Stetson and Deland, so not that far away, Saturday the 15th before they start conference play, starting conference play already uh, the following week uh, at uh, at Temple in Philadelphia. So, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, what does that mean? I, I, see, I think that that's a big character builder for a team, you know, in their second year under Coach Calabrese for them to fall down, granted at home, I get it, but to fall down to a ranked team, come back and and steal a draw, basically, that does, that has to do wonders for their uh, confidence at this point. Uh, especially when you figure that um, I'm actually checking the top 25 here. Uh, UCF is, uh, well, I'll double check that here in a second, but, you know, still huge confidence builder for this team, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, I mean, no question about it. I mean, it reminds me, reminds me when they won at UConn last year, and UConn at the time was playing high level, even getting votes, maybe even borderline top 25, and they won mm-hmm. the one in stores. They had a draw in West Virginia, so uh, that was a confidence booster. Anytime you can get a result, Against the top twenty-five, you're that's a very positive, especially with in their situation being down two goals. But you know, with them, and then you you know you mentioned volleyball that win against number seven. That's a resume win. Yeah. You know, when you play those games, you now all of a sudden that's going to skyrocket your RPI. It's going to skyrocket your resume. The big thing now is though, you don't want to have a letdown. You don't want to give it back by losing a match that you shouldn't lose. And you know, from volleyball standpoint, they need to clean up here at home. And clean up. And this mm-hmm. is where you go on your run here and really make a statement that you are a contender for the title with Wichita State, with Cincinnati. Uh, back up. Don't 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 let that USC win and then you know drop a match that you shouldn't lose. Right. Uh, and you're going to be scratching your head later in the year, like, wow, I can't believe we lost to that team. Because sometimes letdowns happen, Jeff. And, and I'll be curious how they come out at home especially with some of their start times. I think their first match is like an 11 a.m. Friday. 11 which a.m. To me, start, yeah, Friday. Boy, that's a, that's a sneaky little time slide where you could come out flat if you're not ready to play. So I'll be 
you know, and then you mentioned the Saturday game before the football game. That's always interesting because there's a lot of distractions because there's a lot of things going on on campus on that day. It's not as normal of a day to get to your game usually because there's a lot of parkings blocked off and things like that. So you got to stay focused. I'm curious how this young team handles all of that. Um, so, you know, I, I, big result, and I think it's the same with men's soccer as they move forward. So uh, I think that's the big takeaway. We'll see. Is it possible? It's way early for this. Is it possible that for the we could have possibly four conference champions in one fall? I'm not ruling it Football, out. Volleyball, the two soccers, both were preseason favorites. Football was favored. Volleyball was the one that was kind of under the radar. But I think a win over USC sends a message that you are in the mix for that conference title and obviously the NCAA. But, you know, that would be something if they could pull that off. I know it's way early for that, but I think that's kind of an interesting line to follow as this uh, fall season develops. Yeah, I'm not ruling that out, um, especially with men's soccer. By the way, for some reason, not receiving votes men's soccer is in the uh, in the top 25. The team that beat them, by the way, UC Irvine, they are receiving votes. Um, so I don't know who's I don't know who dropped the ball on that one, but yeah, I agree with you on on what volleyball certainly has to do, and if they can come out get two victories in that Friday because they're playing at 11 a.m. and then again at eight, um, that's going to be a, a key. And FIU, by the way, sneaky good FIU team. They're usually a pretty good team. That's what I'm saying, Jeff. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you that is a sneaky match. It would not surprise me. If we're talking at you know intermission here and UCF's got to dig themselves of a hole, if they're not careful, they could be down a set early. I mean, I, I don't think that's a pushover. I'll be curious how they come out. They better come out ready to play. Now, last year they had a bad year, FIU, but I think they're going to be a little bit better uh, this time around. But anyway, there we got that. We have UIC, Illinois-Chicago at 8 o'clock on Friday as well, and then Wofford in that Saturday game. All right. Let's uh, put a bow on this one, fellas. Obviously, we have football coming up at, uh, coming up on Saturday at 6. Um, lots to talk about in the lead-up to that one. Brian, I will start with you. Um, what do you have coming up this week for us? I am working on a thing about the, the pacing of the offense from last uh, week and comparing it to last season. And everyone can look at the time of possession – but that doesn't also include when the clock stops due to incompletions when the offense is still actually running at its tempo. So I sort of went back uh, to, to the game against UConn, uh, very unofficially uh, timed the, 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 uh, the, uh, the lapse from whistle to snap for UCF. And, and I'm trying to sort of compare that to what, uh, what Scott Frost's teams were doing last year. So Ryan that would be doing a little film work. Is that what I'm saying here? This ah, the game. Very, little, little X's and O's, I mean, I, little Telestrator, uh, little John Madden here and there. I kind of I already did that. In case you, you want to go on the site, there's, a, there's an article <laughs> called uh, Under Further Review. I sort of just watched the game again and just sort of gave you uh, what I saw. And there's some some stat work in there. Some very This is not this is not sabermetric stats. It's just me counting stats very unofficially. I don't, this is not electronic timing like combine style but john are you replacing john gruden and using his little camp thing he used for the quarterback camp now that he's coaching <laughs> the raiders and you're just using his office now to watch these games is that what you're doing i, I tell you what mckenzie milton's the best quarterback i've ever seen uh so i'll be doing that i also do want to put up uh the the interview that uh, mike oresco did in a small back dark room 
in the Yukon press box. Was there smoke? Uh, um, was there? It was, was a smoke-filled back room. <laughs> yes, it was a castle in Transylvania. Um, <laughs> so Mike Oresco showed up and spent 20, 25 minutes with the assembled media, of which I was one. Um, so I'm going to put up a little transcript of that. He had plenty to say on UCF and the playoff system. He didn't have as much to say about the TV contracts, which I know Jeff is very interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't want to rock the boat on that, but he had a lot to say about UCF. So I will put up a uh, little, little transcript of that, and then, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll move on to Saturday. Points for effort on that one. W- w- was Mike Resco like, hanging out in, like, a broom closet in the in the press box? French Lafayette, like, Psst, hey, guys, <laughs> I'm over here. <laughs> so they, they go like, hey, uh, just want you to know that uh, about, about 20 minutes from now, Mike Carresco will be having a, a press conference. It wasn't like him sitting in front of a backdrop. He just stood up next to like where they served food at the media eats. How convenient. And he just stood up and the people. Yeah. Yeah. He just stuck. Uh, he just stuck a, cam- a recorder in his Excuse face me. for 20 minutes. Excuse me. Let me grab a cookie while we're over here. And, all right. Uh, Eric, what yeah, do you he, got? Was, he was blocking. He. <laughs> Sorry, go was ahead. Go ahead. I'm not for real. Oh, that's a that's a major. He was fan. blocking the mac and cheese. Get out of here. Come on, Mike. Wow. Come on, Kamish. All right, uh, Eric. What do you got coming up? All right. Well, you can obviously mention the Courtney Witten interview that's up on the site right now. You can check that out. Black and gold banner red. Obviously, the Traquan Smith interview that just aired on this episode will be up on the site. Also, debut Elo lines, people. Every week, I'm going to pick the college football games. It's going to be the UCF games. I will pick the UCF games and then games that involve UCF's opponent against the spread people. Yeah. (laughs) I am ready. I am ready to lose some money. Let's get it. (laughs) If you want to lose money, I'm the guy to uh, to help out with that. So you're going to have the college games and... I will pick the black and gold banneret selected game of the week in the NFL that involves UCF players. So the banneret staff, our big staff, they will tell me, pick this NFL game that involves UCF players. And then I believe the first one has been chosen, and we're going with Seattle at Denver. So I will make that selection. That will be all up there. I will give you some trends. For example, I will give you this little trend. Boise State plays Connecticut this Saturday. It's a common opponent with UCF. Is a 31 point underdog to Boise State. The game's at Boise, the late night kick. Boise, 4 13 and 1 against the spread in their last 18 games. They don't cover that many games at home. Hmm. UConn, on the other hand, 5 and 13 in their last 18 against the spread. So something's got to give. Might take UConn, <laughs> believe it or not, getting 31 points. But that's uh, some of the sample stuff. Big Memphis Navy game. There you Georgia go. Tech. I, I, it's all there. It's just there you go. Stone cold and lead pipe locks, Eric Lopez. That's what we're looking for. Doesn't, for this, week. Right. doesn't well, this make everybody? Doesn't this make everybody nostalgic for the old Jimmy the Greek segments? <laughs> <laughs> Some, uh, yeah, somebody's got to replace them on that. So that's going to be there um, as well. And then, uh, since while everybody else is watching the South Carolina State game, I'm already looking ahead to North Carolina. I will write over the weekend on things to do if you go to North Carolina, assuming the weather cooperates, which it may or may not. Um, so we'll write about that. And then also, believe it or not, if you go to uh, – I do another podcast on fastpitchnews.com. I interviewed Beth Mowens this week, folks. Beth Mowens, Syracuse's very own. Jeffrey, yeah. going to call the Monday night football game, the Jets and the Lions. We talk about her broadcasting career. Um, and she's called 25 uh, Women's College World Series, but she's calling NFL games, college uh, football, men's college hoops, 
women's college hoops, volleyball. She's called soccer. You name it. She's called every sport. So we talk about her career and then kind of if you're into broadcasting stuff, I recommend you check out that interview I had with Beth Mowens, who I got to meet over a decade ago when she was calling a UCF UAB Wednesday night game back in the day. Those were the days. Uh, wow. A Wednesday yeah, so. night UCF football game. That's right, baby. Back oh, in the day. Man. Uh, that so, was... uh, so I encourage everybody to check that out. That's kind of some of the stuff I got going on. Uh, and I'm also trying to catch up on sleep because tennis matches at the U.S. Open go to 1, 2 and a.m. So it's, it's yeah, well, well thank, goodness, thank goodness it's not Australian Open. Great. Thank God it's not Aussie Open season, Eric, when you're up at like four, three, four o'clock Hell, yeah. in the morning yeah. watching some matchup between two guys who no one's ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing better than 3 a.m. live sports. If I you can, can get like oh, I can think of a few things. Live I can think of a few things like 3 p.m. Uh, live sports. Uh, very good. You know, yeah. Listen, I'm usually up three a up at three a.m. with the baby. I don't need to augment it by watching a sporting event. <laughs> there you go. All right, let's wrap this thing up. We got so much to talk about this week, uh, still to go, and then uh, and so much to bring you on blackandgoldbanneret.com. Make sure you follow us at uh, blackandgoldbanneret.com. UCF underscore banneret on Twitter for all the latest. Luke Saris is going to have some stuff coming up for us. Uh, as well, uh, I'm going to have a hopefully have a look at uh, UCF's uh, possession analysis from the first game coming up, uh, and uh, a look ahead. And we're all going to be looking ahead, obviously, to the South Carolina State game and see what happens there. Uh, you can follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon. You can follow Eric at Eric Lopez Elo, and follow Brian at Spokes underscore Murphy. Follow us all at UCF underscore Banneret and Facebook.com slash black and gold banner at we are sb nation's home for ucf sports and you can subscribe to this podcast if you don't already on google play itunes soundcloud stitcher and tune in eric for uh, eric lopez and brian murphy i'm jeff sharon saying thank you so much for listening this has been the black and gold banner at podcast we'll see you for the home opener 6 p.m saturday ucf against south carolina state enjoy the first weekend of ucf football here in orlando